the dogs run this state and don't let nobody tell you different. UGA travels to Bobby Dodd for its seventh straight win in the series and finishes this regular season 12-0 and in clean old-fashioned hate. I'm your host, Cheeto, and welcome back to another episode of Dogs Off the Leash. Keegan isn't with us this weekend, guys, so it'll be just me uh, if you guys will will have me. He's still traveling on some Thanksgiving, but lucky for everybody on the podcast, I actually got to go to my first clean old-fashioned hate in Bobby Dodd. Had a really good time. Had a really great weekend. Want to give a big shout out to Cameron who came back to Dalton and put on a show for everybody, and then also Chris Singleton, who just welcomed a newborn. So it was an exciting weekend. Not just because the dogs dominated Georgia Tech, not just because the dogs went for their 29th straight win, an SEC record, but a host of things. It's the holidays. You guys know how it is. But let's hop into it. So, 7.30 kickoff. I, I would have loved it under the circ- any other circumstances, but the fact that it was about 45 degrees out there, boy, listen, all that fall stuff, that's over with. Winter is here. And we were probably sitting up, we were in section 219, so it is kind of up there, and it was on one of the end zone sides. I think it was like gate seven, the north side, so it it was brutal, but at least, you know, we got to watch a good show. But uh, yeah, 31 to 23, maybe not the dog's best performance, but listen, a lot of dog fans are kind of upset or a little bit worried. Now that this game is over and we're starting to turn our attention to Alabama, oh, the dogs didn't look as good as we thought they were going to, or why are we not containing the run and all these things? But let's let's start with the basics, right? We had what I like to call a maintenance game from Kirby. And if you just take yourself back just a few weeks into the season, early on, we came in with a lot of bumps and bruises. The offense was slow. The offense was struggling. We had Brock out at a certain point. Lad McConkey started the season out. We had people acclimating, different surgeries on the offensive line. Well, during this game, not only was Ladd and Brock out, but we also missed Rara and Tate Rattledge. Those are four really big contributors to this team. Offensive line, wide receivers, a lot of our weapons. Now, we have the depth to withstand that, fortunately for us. But, you know, you kind of put yourself in a compromising position when you do this. But this just goes to show, again, when it comes to Kirby, He maintains and manages this roster so, so well and knew that we had enough to go into Tech on the road. Their Super Bowl, right? They had already made a bowl game. I think I said on one of the prior podcasts that they were fighting for bowl eligibility. They have bowl eligibility, but this is still huge for them. And then they're just trying to play spoiler for us at this point in the season. But I trust Kirby, right? I I just trust Kirby. And Everything didn't go our way. The refs absolutely tried to blow this for us, but some things to work on. But you you can still see this is the type of team we can miss a few starters and still be a quality team on the road 
with a pretty vanilla play call. And I think that just says a lot about Georgia. So, and then you got to take into account the familiarity. So on the Georgia side, obviously Bobo, Kirby, Will Muschamp, all these guys are very familiar. A lot of the players have already played in this rivalry. Not everybody has played in Atlanta, but there's some familiarity. But on the Georgia Tech side, I think a lot of people really forget the ties that are there. So as far as players go, you got Brett Seether, who had a big catch in the first quarter, tied in, transferred there. One of my favorite wide receivers to play at UGA in recent years, Dominique Blaylock, really thought he was going to be special. Injuries really hampered him for a lot of the time, so it never really worked out. Ended up transferring to Georgia Tech, contributed on Saturday. And then Buster Faulkner. Buster Faulkner is the OC that Brent Key, the new head coach at Georgia Tech, hired. Very creative. And they threw the book at us. They threw the they threw everything. I mean, I remember sitting up there in the stands, and it had to be maybe three or four plays per drive, first two drives. Flipped the formation, ran jet sweep motion, and then did an RPO out of that. And for those of you who watch football, you if you watched it on TV, you can see how confusing that is to get a key. It's not like when Georgia Tech used to run the triple option anymore, right? Where you know, as a linebacker, it's it's fullback, halfbacks, and quarterbacks. And wherever they go, you got one coming towards you. Then you your key goes, again, to the next back or the quarterback or whatever. You're watching for counter. You're watching for uh, uh, isos in the middle. You're watching for reverses. You stay home. You squeeze the whole it's, – it's a bunch of stuff. But they threw the kitchen sink at us. And it gave us a lot of trouble early, especially that quarterback gut, that gut run, right? That's where the whichever receiver, whether it's an A or a Z, comes across the formation. You may have an option tailback behind him. He pulls it, and then when the flow is moving left or right, he ducks right up the middle, and the linebackers are over, overrunning the play. The safeties and the corny, corners are out there trying to jump the outside guys to maintain leverage, which has been, you know it's been drilled into UJ players' heads at this point because we've struggled with that. And expect Alabama to take a page out of that book too, but – we got gashed a little bit, but we we buckled it up. So I credit a lot of our struggles to not just the players that were sitting, but to the game plan that Buster Faulkner drew up. I mean, it was it, it was it was a really, really good plan to attack our weaknesses, the few that we have. And then even on the other side, Kevin Scherer, who used to be a defensive coach here. So there, there's a lot of information, a lot of familiarity, which you know, when it comes to rivalry games and you can look across the country as far as rivalries go, you can throw out the rankings. You, you really can, especially on the road. People get up for this. Weird things happen. Just look at Alabama-Auburn. You know, I felt like at least after halftime, we really started to control the game, right? We held Georgia Tech to a bunch of field goals, and we didn't we didn't need a fourth and goal from 30 yards out to win, right? We We grinded that game out. And shout out to Kendall Milton, because I've been saying it. If that hamstring will stay healthy, this this man can be a beast. This man can be a beast. Um, some other things that weren't on our side were the turnovers. I've also said I love Dejon Edwards. He's been really great for us, especially with the injury concerns. But he has a proclivity of dropping the ball from time to time. Started the game off with a fumble, gave Georgia Tech points right away, right? So if you really sit there and watch the film or rewatch the highlights, Georgia Tech we allowed them to stay close into this game. Not that they didn't play well. They are good offensively, better than Alabama. We'll talk about that more next week, but they're, they're a quality team and, and getting better. So um, shout out to them. 
But yeah, for the dogs, 12 and 0 for the third straight season. For the third straight season. Man, we used to we used to dream we used to dream about times like this. For real though, like I know our sights are set on the playoffs, Alabama and the playoffs are moving forward. And I'm really glad that our university really gives off that energy. A lot of tech fans were talking hella crazy before the game. And, and I knew they would, you know, they had upsets before. They thought this was going to be their chance to shine. UJ went about their business very conservatively and still won by eight. This, this is just a program that's aspirations have just gone to another level. The 29 straight wins is huge. But again, it's like it's like the Warriors, right? What's what's 73 wins without that ring? You know what I mean? So it's like we we want to we want to make it count. We want to finish the job because you don't want to go up 3-1 and blow that lead because they will never let you forget it. So love the focus of this team. Really enjoyed going to Atlanta. Girlfriend stays in Midtown, so I had a lot of fun just kind of being out there. I mean, literally across the street from the stadium. So it was a really good time. Again, minus the cold, but you know, we got over it. So again, yeah, focused focused on Bama. The team was after the game, but I, I got to give a few shout outs in this game. And I told a few fellow Georgia fans that were sitting up in the stands with me after he made play after play after play. I truly, honestly believe that Dylan Bell is a reincarnation of Debo Samuel. He does the exact same things in a very similar way. When he runs the ball, He's quick enough, strong enough, and elusive enough to where it's going to take more than one guy to get a good, clean hit. He, he broke tackle after tackle. He has really good hands. He can be used all over the field. The catch that he had, I want to say it was a third, a third and long down the, it was to my left, but Carson's right sideline, the exact same catch he had in a clutch moment at Tennessee. Exact same pass. Exact same catch, exact same result on the sideline. He has proven time and time again, coach, if you call my number, I'm going to deliver. And I think when you have that, when you have Dylan Bell, Dominic Lovett, Ladd, Brock, Rara, that's a lot of people you have to account for making big plays consistently. We're not, we're not even talking about Arian Smith who struggled this year, but you better believe he's going to see the field against Alabama because he knows how to kill Alabama. He knows how to kill people in the playoffs. So that's a lot of weapons, but I think Dylan Bell is really rounding into a special type of player. And I hope that we see more of him really, really soon. And then going back to that conservative game plan, while I, I don't like vanilla offenses, I think the one thing that we learned is this run game this run game's where it's at. I mean, we absolutely bullied, absolutely bullied Georgia Tech. Now, coming into the game, we knew that they had a terrible defense, especially a terrible run defense. But, hey, if that's the opponent that you're going up against and you know you're going to have a vanilla game plan, let's run it up the gut. I mean, we've all, we've all seen Bobo on a third and five run a draw. But, I mean, it was, it was being executed so well on Saturday. They were third and nines third and sevens or throwing a little dump pass, which is essentially a run in today's game and picking up huge amounts of yards. So I'm not the one for a conservative play call, but it worked just fine on Saturday. And that's what we needed to do. We needed to maintain the health of this roster and get out of there with a win. Don't really care about style points right now. Saturday is well, Saturday is really not about style points either. 
But given that it's regular season and you're getting ready to play for what some people are saying is our playoff chances, didn't, didn't need to get cute, didn't need to get pretty, have a lot of things to work on. Even though the linebackers struggled at times, I believe Small Munden and both C.J. Allen led the team with eight tackles apiece. So that's promising, but I think anybody who watched the game sees that we have a few things that we do need to work on, especially with Jalen Milrow coming to Atlanta. He is every, every bit of what Hayes King, the transfer from Texas A&M to Georgia Tech, is and more. But I was listening to a lot of uh, SEC this morning. Been, wa- been watching a lot of stuff, getting ready for the playoffs here. There, there is a difference between running quarterbacks and scrambling quarterbacks. And I think that Hayes Kings is a really good running quarterback, right? They're designing runs for him. It's not so much that they're trying to set up for the pass and he's elusive and escapes the pocket and kills you, right? We all know those quarterbacks in the NFL and in college. He's more of a runner. I think Jalen Miro has the ability to be a runner that way. But as of right now, he's killing teams with the scramble so some things to work on plenty tape to go into in this week Carson Beck again with the vanilla play call he was under 250 I think for the first time in about five six seven games he did have an interception on the day but that was one of his trademarked tipped passes bounced around like volleyball and then caught by a defender in the end zone um so not a great day for him but again he, he threw it about 10 times less than the average on the year. And again, which really lends itself to the vanilla play call and makes a lot of sense. Uh, I talked about Kendall Milton earlier. He had 18 carries, 156 yards, 8.7 yards per pop. I mean, he was hitting all the holes. If you was in the way, you was getting trucked. If you overran it, cut, jump cuts, back cuts. I mean, the, the, kid, is, the kid is special. Two tutties to wrap it up if you – if you didn't know, you you definitely know now. So shout out to Kendall. I mean, just ridiculous. Uh, we talked about the fumble Dejon Edward has. Some of these mistakes we've we've been seeing, especially these Makai Muse muffed punts. Luckily for us, it did go out of bounds, but Makai's got to either listen. If you're not sure about what you want to do when the ball's in the air, or you don't know how much space you've got, given your yardage, let it go. But like this intermediate, that's going to get you in trouble. And we saw what happened to Auburn again. Auburn muffed that punt right there when they had the game in hand. And I, I cannot bear that being the reason we lose a game. So hopefully we clean that up. And if it wasn't Makai Muse trying to give that one away, these ACC refs were atrocious. It's been a long time since I've seen so many atrocious calls and pivotal moments that literally kept Tech in the game for a lot of it. It was absolutely wild. I mm, – I mean, it was nuts. Kirby had to go out there and tell them how the rules work. Like, it's not P.I. or defensive anything if it's tipped at the line of scrimmage. It's like, how does coach see it, but you don't see it, man? What do you, what do y'all do it? Oh, God help me if we get an ACC crew from this point on. They, yeah, that was ridiculous, 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 man. But I digress. On a positive note, outside of the game, it looks like we may be getting some players back outside of the ones that I just mentioned that are going to come back. Um, Humphrey, Julian Humphrey tweeted out uh, a go dogs tweet with a picture of him from a prior game. So that's looking like he is trending in the right direction. So excited about that. And as far as the other players that missed 
guys, Kirby's just being coy. This is just what he does. He's not going to give Nick Saban any tape. Why you saw the vanilla game plan? He's not going to let them know who's going to play and who's out. I'd be really, really surprised if anybody except for Lad McConkey, who's not only dealing with the ankle but the back injury as well, that can flare up at any moment. Brock Bowers dressed out. He w- he was good to go. Tate Ratledge dressed out. He was good to go. Ra-Ra's ankle, I'm not 100% sure about, but it, I haven't heard anything to suggest that it's a long-term thing. Everybody, I believe, is day-to-day. Uh, I believe Vlad McConkey will be able to play in some capacity. To what extent, we'll find out, but don't, don't worry about none of that. This is just, again, coaches say all the right things. Oh, we respect Georgia Tech and all this and all that, but we're going to sit four starters because we don't need them. You, you can take that for what it is, but that's how Kirby chose to handle it, and I couldn't be happier with the outcome. So, but let's talk about some things that did happen outside of our game. Obviously, if you if you watch the Alabama Auburn game, you gotta you gotta finish, you gotta show with a big finish. That was that was a lot of fun. I heard Ole Miss and Mississippi State got close to the wire. I was really pulling for Florida to beat Florida State because I, we need them to kind of scoot on down. So if we happen to missed up against Alabama that we slip back in there. Louisville falls to Kentucky, but Louisville still has a chance to play Florida State in the ACC championship, and hopefully now they're pissed off. So maybe that's a good thing in disguise. And obviously Michigan and Ohio State, both of them are really good teams. Both of them are really, really good teams. Uh, Ohio State's offense is just not enough. Um, if you blanket Mars Radimov, I, I think you can keep them in check, but they still played really well. They had some big calls that went against them, so we'll see how it plays out. But on this on this topic of the college football playoff, the conversations have already started. Me and Keegan have talked about them, the resumes, right? You have four, five, four or five undefeated teams right now, and then you're going to have a lot of teams potentially be one-loss conference champions. So is it the strength of schedule that matters? Is it how many ranked teams that you beat that matters? Is it just a conference championship that matters? If you lose early in the season or if you lose in the conference championship, how much are we weighing those things? Listen, there's all sorts of criteria. And I've said it on this podcast before. There is one thing I know about the committee. They're going to pick whatever teams they think are the four best, I think, and then use whatever means to justify it. And I mean, is that not the point of the system is to get the four best teams? Somebody was saying on TV today, oh, well, the precedent is set because TCU won their conference and had that year ended up in the playoff. Now, to their credit, they beat Michigan. I don't think a lot of people were expecting that, but then we saw what they did in the playoffs. So is it, do we put a team like Florida State in just because, I hate saying it like this, and, and the people that make this argument, I hear you. I really do. But you cannot tell me that a Florida State without their starting quarterback is potentially better than a UGA losing to an Alabama and Nick Saban. Maybe not their best team, but Nick Saban hasn't lost to us in the SEC championship. So it's a very much possible thing. But you're going to put Florida State in over UGA and say that you put the best four teams in. You get my point? So we can have all these things, and every game matters, and I want them to count. But at the end of the day, the goal is to get the best four teams in. 
So hopefully Georgia takes care of business and it's not a thing at all, but here's the reality. Somebody's going to get left out this year. This would be a good year for the 12, but we all know this is not the normal year. There's not usually this many teams with a real claim to a spot in the top four. So we will see how it goes. And speaking of somebody who is not going to play off this year, Texas A&M did make their big hire after what was a pretty uh, shady process. Actually, not really shady because I think everybody can see right through it. They they wanted to get Stoops in there, Stoops from uh, Kentucky, and they floated it out there just to see how people would react. I mean, hey, I, I'm not mad at you. Use social media and communication and just kind of feel the waters. Well, the water was hot. <laughs> the water was real hot. And they was like, oh, no, 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 never mind, never mind. And then they went with a coordinator, Mike Elko, defensive coordinator. He was a defensive coordinator at Texas A&M, is just recently the Duke head coach and had, I think, two 10-win seasons over there. So he, he's been a really good thing for Duke. He's a good coach. Uh, they brought him back in. I didn't think this was going to be the type of hire that – Texas A&M was going to go for a coordinator, but I do love the familiarity. I do love the defensive mindset. And uh, hopefully they think enough of his recruiting ability to keep a lot of the recruits who are about to jump ship from that school at the program. So uh, good for them. I, I think it may turn out right. I don't know if it's the sexiest hire, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Anything's upgrade from Jimbo Fisher, I suppose. But, uh, but yeah, we'll save a lot of the Alabama stuff for the preview, but I, I did want to mention a few things. So just a little bit of a teaser for the preview, because there is going to be the talk is going to be all week and it's going to be great. As far as what we're hearing right now, Alabama's running back McClellan went out in the fourth quarter of their game against Auburn and returned to the sidelines on crutches and in a walking boot, which sounds somewhat serious to me. That is not giving a lot of confidence that he is going to play if it's anything of any significance. But luckily for Alabama, they're similar to Georgia in the fact that they recruit very well. And the name you'll start to hear pop up on the internet talk shows is Justice Haynes. Justice Haynes is a UGA legacy that decided to go to Alabama instead of coming here. So that could be a storyline. And then for UGA, Obviously, the storyline is going to be for us. We have never beat Alabama in the SEC championship. Even in the year we beat them in the, the national championship, they beat us before handily. I think this is going to be a bit of a switch from that year. I think with our offense and our defense, we are the type of team that's going to put up points, kind of like they did against us in the SEC championship last time. I think that's what it's going to come down to. And then another storyline that may not get talked about a bunch is – with all that being said, these programs have gotten familiar enough with each other. Saban is the GOAT as of right now until he is unseated or until we can, you know, not fall to him in critical moments. We've done it once. And Kirby has come a long way from the last time he lost to him. And a part of me thinks that even that game plan during that game was not to show everything because that year UGA knew it was going to get in, win or lose, because of the undefeated season number one and then number five, six, seven, eight weren't really weren't really threatening us in that way. But Kirby, Bobo, and Will Muschamp have all lost a game, have all lost some sleep to the hands of Nick Saban. I think those three come together again. 
and finally get that last monkey off the back, right? I, I think it's time. I think we have gone toe-to-toe with Alabama enough. I think we have a chip on our shoulder to say we've already shown that we can beat Alabama. Now we want to show the separation between the two programs. No disrespect to Alabama because they have had a good season after a tough loss at home to Texas. But I do think that UGA is better, but UGA is going to have to prove it. And we'll hop into all that stuff on the preview. Going to let you guys go. Get ready for Monday Night Football. Hopefully you guys have got your, your games wrapped up for the week. If not, what do you need? It's Justin Fields versus Josh Dobbs. Ex-UGA and ex-Tennessee player going at it. Chicago and Minnesota. So getting close to this playoff run. Uh, wish Keegan could be here, but he again, he's traveling. He'll be back with us on the preview. Dog Nation, enjoy these wins. Enjoy these seasons. I know we're all getting ready to move on to the next game, and, and rightfully so. But we're, do, we're doing things that the SEC, that the country has not seen before. And we have a chance to do something even more special if we do the right things and if we follow Kirby's lead as a fan base, the players, Kirby's showing that he's, he's got this under control. He is a captain of this ship and he's got it on lock. So until next time, guys, I appreciate you. And as always, you know what it is. Off the leash. <laughs>